Hello and welcome to Make and Tain, the podcast breaking the stigma and lifting the lid on inspiring people who are making a difference. Throat is a little bit gone this week. I've just come back from Dublin, so bear with me with this podcast intro, but I don't want to miss any podcast every Monday morning. So this week I'm joined by Mickey Dax, a Nets con who turned his life experiences growing up in Salford into a musical production in it which connects with young people when they need guidance and puts them on the right path in life. And if I was honest, it was great to be joined by another fellow Northern on the podcast. And before we actually started the podcast, I found out we actually went to the same high school. So it wasn't something I was aware of until we finally met in person. It just goes to show how crazy the small world is. And it's a very raw and kind of open podcast with Mickey, kind of talking about his upbringing and the struggles and adversities he faced growing up and how this led to getting involved in crime from a really young age and later on going to prison for nine months. But one moment changed Mickey's life forever when he bagged his way onto a coach that was sitting outside the school gate and he crept onto the back of the coach and hid under the seats not knowing where the coach was going. As it turned out, the trip had been planned for some year 10s to a show in London at the Palladium. And Mickey remembers this moment saying the single most beautiful, memorising, life-changing and life-affirming moment in my life. And Mickey's now using his life experiences to help others with his show musical In It, which is out at the Lowry in Salford this month. And it's a real life tale of the working class life in Salford, dysfunctional family and the teenagers and the decisions they face down the road. So yeah, it was super inspiring to have Mickey on the podcast. And just before we jump into it, please, please make sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any episodes every Monday morning. And honestly, without the support of you guys, I wouldn't be able to have these incredible guests on the podcast so if you are listening to the first time please make sure to get that subscribe button and like i said i just wouldn't be in this situation and i absolutely love doing the podcast and that's down to you guys what tune in every week and give me the opportunities to have these incredible guests on the pod if you want to support the podcast there's a link in my description called buy me a coffee and i'm recording this late at night as usual so um, if you do want to support the podcast and get me a coffee there's a link in the description with all that the way which jumps in the podcast with Mickey Dax. Oh, I'm Mickey Dax, um, and uh, I'm a writer uh, and director and uh, an artist, I guess. Um, I've had an hard life. I've uh, been through the criminal justice system over a long period of time, uh, and I just came out and found my feet and uh, ended up writing a musical, of all things, writing a musical about my life experiences, which is how I've found myself here today with you, I guess. I know, yeah, I know, it's amazing. I can't believe you've not done a podcast before as well, so <laughs> I'm excited to get you on to kind of share your story. Thank you. If you go back to some early, early years, I think it kind of makes people who they are today. What was your early years, obviously, being brought up in, like, Salford? It was, uh, it was difficult. Like, I wasn't actually brought up in the heart of Salford, so to speak, like in your traditional, like, working class, you know, um, underclass, uh, poverty-stricken household. We were poor, um, but not in that way. It was poor in a very, very dif- different way. Um, you know, both my parents worked, um, you know, and they had good jobs. So at the end of the day, you know, the thing with me, it wasn't about being, um, you know, uh, neglected in, in the way of... Um, not having things it was a way of being uh, neglected of of not parents have just not having a presence if that makes sense yeah. um you know so it was very uh, it was very difficult do you know what i mean there's a lot of fending for myself uh, there's a lot of my brothers kind of having to take care and stuff it's a very very typical story um really but for me uh, as a kid growing up 
um, you know, not having that presence. And when it was present, it was very difficult because my parents had an extremely difficult relationship and, you know, um, there was violence in there and there was, um, you know, all sorts of uh, negative stuff and there's a lot of neglect. Do you know what I mean? I mean, my biggest... Yeah, I when, when I, you kind of quoted you saying um, they was always working, so there wasn't there to kind of give mm-hmm. you that attention. Was that really quite hard, would you say, as a child growing up and, yeah, and not because, being around? Yeah, 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 because it's just like kind of left to my own devices. My biggest memory, um, I have to say, which which saddens me, and when I tell people this, you know, that they're, they're a bit like, whoa. And I, to me, it didn't really mean much, but only in later life was I just remember um, like... Uh, you know, arriving home, you know, nobody there, couldn't get in, do you know what I mean? Um, I had a little bush where I just used to um, plank myself, basically, you know, after like a school day, primary school day, I'd just end up in this bush. I'd have to like, you know, um, do my business in there, do you know what I mean? Um, drink from taps and, you know, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'd used to like scrap for, for food from neighbours and stuff. It was really like people sort of took pity, really. It was a bit of a, like, it was a bit of a known family for being you know, a bit scrappy, do you know what I mean? Yeah. A bit a bit tatty, um, a bit dirty, a bit unclean, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, a lot of people had to support us in that way. And I just remember this experience of, of my mum, um, you know, and uh, I was in the car one day and because of their relationship, which wasn't obviously ideal, but because of their relationship, I just remember um, we, a real treat got a, you know, like when you go to the Indian, curry house and they give yeah. it you in like a tin um, and I just remember because I can picture it now being sat in the back of this car um, and uh, we had between us um, the, there was like me and my brother and then my mum and um, you know we had this tin a curry of, of, and I remember the texture and the flavour it was pink I think it was probably like tikka masala yeah. and I just remember like scooping it and she went just right out and like she just drove off and I was like, oh, right, okay. And there was me and my brother. It's like, well, what do we do now? In the midst yeah. of the middle of the night, what, what, what do we do? Do? Yeah. do you know what I mean? And, you know, it's those experiences which don't sat to me. I just like kind of didn't really ever think of them as extreme. But actually, that's, you know, it's pure neglect. Just leaving, you know, a six, seven, eight-year-old kid to just, like, roam for themselves in the dark of night. It's mad. What about your, your brother then? You spoke about your brother there. Yeah. He went through that, that, the same feeling. I mean, that must have brought you quite close to your brother. I mean, because obviously you went through it together. Well, the thing is, I've got two brothers yeah. um, and um, the, the relationship between us brothers, because we're all very, very different. Um, but yeah, so alike, because obviously we're, we're brothers, but the relationship has always been very, very thin. I looked up to my big brother for a very, very long time, like, so, but he was involved in all sorts of mm. like bad stuff by the time he was like eight, nine. So the thing is- Did you get dragged into, dragged into yeah, it a little bit as well? Yeah, yeah. Pr- pretty standard. Cause obviously if he's, if, if you've got a role model in your older brother and he's doing stuff, then you're looking up and you want to do stuff. Um, but we were, because we were neglected as children, we were left. So there, there is, there's always people around who will take advantage of vulnerable children. You know, does that impact you later on in life that having that neglect at such a young age 
it wasn't just neglect, you know, there was, there, yeah. there was everything, you know, there was abuse, there was trauma, there was violence, um, you know, there was all sorts of, of, of negative. I mean, it's what they describe as ACEs now, you know, adverse childhood experiences, that's the term that they give it. But actually, you know, it was very, very bad things that were going on, you know, exploitation yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, to be exploited as a child, you don't know that you're being exploited. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. it's all good and it's all like, oh, wow, amazing. Because life's a bit um, rubbish. You know, you're neglected, you smell, everyone's taking a piss out of you because, you know, you're not bathing and you've got dirty clothes and all that kind of stuff. But actually, um, you know, when someone comes along and offers you nice things, it's it, and it still happens obviously now, you know, exploitation's a big thing, criminal, mm. sexual, everything. And it's, um, yeah, of course it impacts you in later life because it never leaves you. Mm. Um, and it doesn't affect you when you're a kid, but it obviously in hindsight does affect you when you're a kid because that's why I was permanently excluded from school. That's why I was playing out in classrooms. That's why I burnt an art room down. That's why I burnt a shop down. That's why I was an arsonist as an eight-year-old kid, you know, because of the things that were happening to me obviously aren't very natural. So, you know, it's kind of uh, yeah, fight syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. And defense. It's like fight or fight in it in, mm. in some ways. And would you say that's where like, I know you've spoke about, you have this like pent up aggression, you've kind mm. of, said in our school, do you think that's where, obviously where it stemmed from? I was an extremely violent child. You know, I would hit out at everybody. Yeah. I was I was really known for it. You know, um, in primary school, I'd, I'd hit out, do you know what I mean? Um, I'd tear things up. I'd have what 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 would <laughs> what any like teacher or or, or um, parent or whatever would like to dismiss as a temper tantrum? Do you know what I mean? Or a, do you know what I mean? A, yeah. a temp, you know, but it's it's you know children. Yeah, of course, if they're ruined, they have. Um, you know, tempers because they're spoiled, you know, but there was nothing spoiled about me and my brothers, uh, quite the contrary. So when I was having a temper, you know, it wasn't the fact yeah. that I was like having a temper, it was because I was really angry and it was pent up. And, you know, there's something that I've learned when I when I went to explore my mental health, there's a, there's a condition, it's called DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder. Um, and what that is, is basically when you find yourself in a position of pain or trauma, what you do is you dissociate from your own body. So this is a lot of the reason. So going back to school, um, you know, oh, well, he lacks concentration. You know, I read in Batman report, he lacks concentration, he lacks concentration. It's not that I lacked concentration, it's that I was dissociating from the abuse, from the Just trauma, trying to escape from it, the yeah. trying to escape it, exactly. But, you know, people don't look at it in those terms. And every day I'm going into schools, um, not every day at the moment because we're in production, but obviously, you know, mm. through the charity and stuff, which we can talk more about. But I, I meet children just like myself, you know, when I go into schools, I see it. I see that dissociation. I'm like, that child's got trauma. That child's going through this and that child's going through that because I can, I've, I've experienced it. And you can probably like resonate with the kids as well. And I think if you spoke with them and you spoke to them about your experiences, because mm. I think a lot of people probably haven't, walked in your shoes so obviously when they're speaking to the kids they probably don't understand the trauma or everything they've, they've gone through this is what i don't understand about people dan yeah. yeah um they haven't walked in my shoes right you know i was saying to you before the the, the podcast you know um we all 
we're all human beings, you know, we all have the same senses, we all experience life in different ways, obviously because of our experiences. But you know, we all have eyes, ears, and mouths, you know, we all have the capacity to speak if we see something that's going wrong or see something bad. We all have the capacity to speak up about it. The reason what happened in my life is be is because, and the reason why it's never picked because nobody spoke about it. It was a dirty thing to talk about, you know, they just rather brush it under the carpet. Don't want and to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, they don't want to deal with it because after, you know, 4 p.m., you know, most people in that, they just want to go home and, and that's not the right thing, you know, it's safeguarding it's children is a full-time job. Yeah, it's like they don't want to take that burden home on their <laughs> life, so they're like, rather just forget about it yeah. or sweep it under the carpet. and. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I ended up uh, the way I ended up. That's how I ended up exploited. Yeah. Because those people who were saying that I was uh, lacking concentration and having temper tantrums, actually, you know, I wasn't. I was being really severely, badly abused and exploited. Yeah. And I mean, at nine years old, the corner shop incident, mm -hmm. I mean, that must have been life-changing in some ways. Because mm -hmm. is that the first time... It's not the first time. Not I'd the say, first time, no, but yeah. No, I'd, I'd been setting fires for, for ages. Yeah. If ever there was a fire in North Manchester in like the 90s, <laughs> yeah, late 80s and 90s, that that was me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I was I was known for it. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> just like the little yeah. arsonist. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it started with just, you know, flicking matches, flicking matches. You know, my brother had matches and he, he smoked young. So I was playing with matches, playing with matches. I just liked it because yeah, again, yeah. that association thing the flames so you know uh, watching the flames grow and like just staring into them and and that con that, yeah. that level of concentration and just seeing it grow and grow and grow and then it'd get to a certain point i'd be like ah oh, shit do you know what i mean yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'd start, and then yeah. by this time yeah. there's a hole bleeding get out, like, yeah. house <laughs> on fire or, or a forest on fire or a bit yeah. of green or something and i'm like you know that that was me do yeah. you know what i mean but i mean i'm laughing about it but I was only in a school about two weeks, three weeks ago, yeah, and uh, there was a class full of boys, and I was telling the story of me setting fires and all the rest of it, and the danger, and and, and we got some confessions that there was a, actually a group of lads doing this, and it's like, you know, nothing changes, you know, boys will be boys, yeah. but there's a certain time when you've got to look and say, why are these kids setting such fires? And it comes yeah. back to that thing, of flames, dissociation, you know, and, yeah. and staring back reflections. Yeah, and stuff. we used to do it as a kid actually. We used to go in the forest and we mm. used to get loads of like wood and stuff and mm. like we used to throw what is it the anti you know the deodorant can. Yeah. And yeah, you know, they used to do that all the time as a kid. Like, um, but yeah that's I mean that's what kids do. Yeah, but yeah absolutely. But there's a certain point like you say like if you're setting houses to fight um mm. I was, isn't it? I was gonna ask, have you still got a relationship with your mum and dad? So my dad's passed over, he yeah. passed over a long time, I was very young um, when he passed over. Um, so yeah, uh, my dad's not with us, but um, you know, I still speak to my mum occasionally, do you know what I mean? And we've yeah, got, yeah. we've got, we've got um, an understanding relationship oh, yeah. now, you know, it's not, it's, I wouldn't say it was close, do you know what I mean? We're not, we're not like, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it it's, is, yeah, it's it is what it is. I, yeah, yeah. I speak to her on the phone. I see her once every few months or, or something like that. But it's not, it's not like, um, you know, it's not a transactional mm. kind of like, um, you know, loving 
kind of relationship that every boy kind of wants ideally mm. with with the mum I think do you know what I mean but I just kind of got to a point in life where I went well it's never going to happen the way that it should have happened so it is what it is just yeah, get on with it there's a certain point in it yeah I, was, I had someone else on the podcast the other day and um, like yeah he was saying like his relationship with like his like, siblings and like mum and yeah it go, goes back to, to, to like everyone everyone goes through like so much stuff and um I was going to ask in regards to, you kind of spoke about obviously like school and obviously not obviously like fitting in. Was that a really tough time for you? Because did you go to quite a few? I went to loads of schools, yeah. but like I say, we, we were like the scraggy kids. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And like, you know, in every school there's the scraggy kids and we were them scraggy kids. So there was bullying and constant like taunting, you know, and had to fight and had to defend and do you know what I mean? And that, that was where the violence come out because when I lost it, I, I really lost it. So it wasn't a case of just having a bit of a scrappy dap, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a proper like, I'd really you hurt some, your head, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd just red mist. Yeah. And so the thing is with, with having that red mist, uh, that's what my reputation was and that's why no one would take me that's why schools really struggled to take me because yeah. actually and my brother had such a bad reputation because he'd been through the same thing he couldn't yeah. no, no school would have him either do you know what I mean I mean he went to more schools than me he went to probably every school in Manchester do you yeah. know what I mean um, so yeah we had a bad reputation yeah. in our family and, that, and that's that and sometimes that reputation doesn't help um, it either it follows you around yeah it does you follow say, you yeah. around it's like a bad smell and we did, you know, we were smelly kids and we were, we were scrappy and, and yeah, we just, we, 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 you know, I mean, it was like this thing, you know, it's like a Dax disease, do you know what I mean? It was this horrible thing that just, you know, yeah, we, you know, we was, we was badly bullied, do you know what I mean? And that mm -hmm. doesn't help when, as a kid, you know, you, you, you don't understand why that's happening you know what I mean? And it's happening and looking back as an adult and as a later life, I mean, I've explored my mental health. I had to go right back to my core, strip all the layers away, literally. Was that hard going, going back and getting all these emotions brought back up again? Oh right? my yeah. days. I, um, I went to rock bottom. So um, back in, I'd say 2012, I had a, um, a, a car accident. No, I had a car accident earlier, but it semi-paralyzed me. Um, so I was on my back for four years because I broke my neck in four places and I refused Jesus. to have the operation because the surgeon said it's really dangerous. Um, but in the end, I basically had this operation and uh, it went wrong. I ended up um, losing use of my legs. I had to learn to walk again. It was a very, very difficult time. And, and, in, and, and because I'd always been a really fiery, independent, resilient person um this this really killed me so i was always going inward because i didn't have anything else to think about and in going inward obviously all of the stuff from being a child started coming out yeah. all of my aggression my anger my pain you know my all of the, the things that had happened to me as a kid all the reliving all those experiences um which was really really horrible um and at the end of that then i had a total breakdown i got through my recovery and at that point i just went Do you know what i need to actually sort this out it was actually at the point where i was in my house and i set fire to the house and I was in such a dark place, I didn't stop to think about the dangers. And it was actually a, a neighbor, um, fortuitously, um, thank God, 
bashed through my door, like it was bashing through my door, Steve, he was bashing, bashing, and he got through the door and he said, Mick, I know you're in a dark place, because obviously people knew, because um, I went back to the place of not washing, I was covered in soot and just not looking after myself. Yeah. And he said, I'm gonna just go around your house and open all the windows. Um, because if you go to sleep in this tonight, you, you know, you'll die. And that's how rock bottom I was. And that's when the mental health team came in and went, right, okay, this guy needs some help. And I embraced that. Um, and through doing that, I got to start with counsellors, um, you know, mental health, uh, psychotherapy, um, uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, and I got the support. And in doing that, I literally, like, peeled away the layers and yes, Dan, Yes, it's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. But, you know, everyone should do it. Everyone it's come should out have... of it like stronger and oh, yeah, more resilient. Yeah. I'm, I'm Zen now. The thing is, because I put that work in and it was, you know, probably two or three years of solid self-discovery, literal self-discovery, like literally looking at myself, never mind blaming, you know, and, and saying, well, they did that and they did that and this person did that and they did actually looking at myself because I've not, you know, I've done things in my life that, you know, when I look back, I'm not, I'm, I'm not proud of, do you know what I mean? But I can't change that. You know, and a lot of my mm. life um, in between during that break, I was living with all this like guilt and living with all this shame and living with all this pain. You um, can't live like that. No, you, know you can't. I mean? yeah. You can't. And so many people do. You know what I mean? And it and it's it's so bad. But you've got to be brave. You know that you've got to mm. be so strong and so prepared to be able to go and delve into yourself and real hold a real mirror up because that's what therapy is that's what catharsis is it's basically it's putting that mirror in front of you and looking at you inside yeah, yeah at you not what you want the world to perceive you as or what you think the world perceives you as or what you want the world to perceive you as or all because all of that's just pretense yeah. what what the actual reality is is your core you know, it's all of your emotions, it's the pain that you, you know, especially with people on, with yeah. childhood experiences. And the thing is, I'm, I just feel like the, the burden's gone. I feel like light. Floating, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Abso yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's hard work, you know, and people don't want to face it's that It's that you're carrying it around the whole of your life. And mm -hmm. then finally, like you say, it's, it doesn't happen overnight, getting all that support. And then finally, like you say, peeling back them layers, like... Mm you can be your true self. Like, I was yeah. very, very lucky yeah. um, in some respects. I've always said this, um, I've always embraced help. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When it's been on offer, I've always embraced it because I think we know as human beings, yeah, that we have something called conscious choice, don't we? Yeah. And at the end of the day, we all know what's going on for it. Unless you're physiologically like impaired, you know, and have some physiological neural condition where you don't have that capacity. We all have conscious choice. So I think, you know, you know when you need help, you, but it's, it's whether you go, I'm gonna take the step and, and, and take, take it, it yeah. you know, and all, all sort of my adult life, I've, you know, I've, I've taken that help because actually, like you just said, you know, you carry that burden and I didn't want to carry that into being, you know, an elderly person still carrying that weight and mm. still feeling that pain. And so, I mean, you never lose the pain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you're an abused child and, you know, you, 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 your innocence is taken away from you and you can't ever have if that back. So you always carry the pain, but there's there's uh, mechanisms that you learn yeah. to just 
you know, uh, a good friend of mine, Doug, uh, gave me this, um, he's a musician, mad, mad musician, and he gave me this analogy once, it's a beautiful analogy, and it's called the Thought Fountain, and um, he said, Mick, who's, he's, a, he's actually uh, from Durham, so he's really like, you know, <laughs> a uh, deep voice. Yeah, a very, very <laughs> deep voice, and he plays, and he's like, just think about life as a thought fountain, you know, and the mind is a thought fountain and you get all these as, as a human being, you get all these like millions of thoughts and most of them just like go psh, and yeah. disappear and vaporize. But then you'll get like some really ones that stick out and really go ping. And he said, we have that choice as human beings, which ones we grab onto. Yeah, and which ones we recycle back into the fountain and go to be recycled and come up with something fresh and the ones we want to grab onto. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful um, no, thing to yeah, think, yeah. think about because actually that's what we are as human beings, you know what I mean? We have thoughts, we have feelings, we have emotions, but we do have that choice as to whether we grab onto them. Now, I didn't feel I had that choice before I explored yeah. and before I looked inside because I was being controlled by my past. I was being controlled by my aggression and my anger and my hatred. I, I was full of hatred for yeah. life. I was, if you didn't, I was going to ask you, if you didn't have that car accident, do you feel like you'd still be carrying all these emotions now? Do you think you would have ever got the, the help with your, your mental health and get that support? Um... I think the first step to my healing journey was uh, when I came out of prison because I'd had um, in prison, I, I had this um, again about like yeah. just trying stuff, you know what I mean? I've always been open to trying yeah. new things. And um, the maddest thing was acupuncture. So they came around and they're saying, right, we've got this acupuncturist in. Um, does anyone want to have acupuncture? And I'm like, oh, I guess me out myself for an hour. I'll go on have some acupuncture. Do Why you know not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was in the ears, like, and you know, it was this guy. Is it where they put the glass? No, like, that's, this... cupping, that's cupping that. Yeah. This is um, in your ear, actual needles. Um, oh, really? Yeah, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went in this room and there was about eight of us who volunteered and they just, um, this guy just put needles in. I was like, what's this about? Do you know, this is mad. Do you know what I mean? And um, about an hour later, I just come out, come round and it had been like an hour and I just thought, I didn't even know that I'd kind of gone under and I tell you what it, I just felt like floaty in that yeah. um, and I think that just does something to you um, I actually went on to um, study all that stuff because I, I was like wow it's it's amazing and I think that was sort of the very start of my yeah. journey and then when I went and sat in my doctors and said I've got this stuff going on you know um, but it was the mental breakdown that was the, the tip of the ice but I'd always tried to explore um but I didn't quite have the, yeah. the, the courage or the bravery to really go there. Yeah. How, how was that time in prison? Because you, oh. you, you, you said it isn't like what you see on TV. It, well, and that, you know, uh, every, every, you know, another Doug uh, thing, Doug's a philosopher is, um, yeah. you know, all fiction is based on fact, you know, and it's kind of true. But, you know, television glamorizes this prison life, you know. Uh, prison for me was, was not you know, glamorous or, or nice or kind. You know, when I went in prison for the first time, and I'd been in cells, do you know what I mean? I'd been in cells from when I was like seven years old, police yeah. cells and like custody cells and custody suites and magistrate court suites and crown court suites. And I'd been in that kind of custody all my life. But going into prison, that was a different bag. You know what I mean? I, that was a scary experience. Mm. 
for the first. My brother had done time a few times. I'd been to visit. Oh, you know what I mean? Uh, nine months. Yeah. But going in, Dan, going in was 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 scary. You know, you get put in this um, group four van, which I'd had the experience of, but actually going through the gates at the prison, it's like, oh, God, this is this is something I've never experienced. Scary. The gate shut. You get in. You you're basically stripped. You know, you're told to go and thing you have to squat all of that that is, is that is the truth you know what I mean they do do I mean they don't hose you down I don't know where that comes from yeah. you know that's just like a figment of someone's imagination, imagination yeah, you know yeah. but they, you do squat and they do check that you're not carrying anything and all yeah, that yeah. Um, but then you know you get put in this room and it's nothing other than literally you know a four foot by four foot room that's like stinks of shit you start naked with a stranger as well um, yeah, you're so either on your own or with a stranger, um, but you're literally there just waiting to be processed. And they keep you in there for ages and ages and ages. Um, and then it's, it's it's it was really scary. Cause I, you what know, do, what then, do you do in days then? Like, are you just stuck days, in your cell? Ooh, like, yeah. um, days, you spend most of your days in your cell, to be honest. Um, 23 hour bang up in most prisons, unless you're on like education or unless you work in the kitchens or mm. something like that. Um, for me, I didn't. I didn't do any of that. It, but then, eventually, towards the latter part of my sentence, because um, I was shifted around, so I went to like four different prisons um, through the ship. They call it shipping out. Do you know what I mean? Where they like ship you out to different yeah. prisons, and they do like so. One minute you're in one prison, next minute you're in the next. Um, so I didn't really get a chance to get involved in being anything in prison. Uh, but what I did do was that I got something called CLATE, which is like computer literacy. When uh, computers were just word processors nothing more you know mm. not like the posh things we've got now with yeah. you know technology it was literally writing words um, and that was a good thing because actually I came out with some level of qualification it was it was, it was a rubbish qualification yeah. but it was something what, what was your way into you got writing poems in prison yeah how did that come about because like, I didn't have anyone to write to outside yeah. do you know what I mean I did, you know my dad was dead he's probably the only person who I'd have wrote to yeah uh, but he was dead so at the end of the day I didn't I didn't really have anyone to write to so I just they give you a pad and pen and um, it's got your prison number on and yeah. uh, and I just used them to write down my life experiences because when I talk about getting excluded from school there was one subject that I really really loved that I just wish that I'd have like really latched on to which was English mm. I love the English I love stories I love listening to people's yeah, stories yeah. I love hearing people's stories I love I love English um, and I just started writing my poems you know silly rhyming words like fat twat cat yeah. sat shat you know just silly silliness and um, yeah they just became and then once I started writing I started writing and writing and writing and I, I ended up with pads full of like poems just random scrabblings of, of stuff yeah. and a lot of it's quite deep um, because those poems then became the musical you know that we, we that's brought us together so you, so you got like obviously like writing poems and then did you do a course after that in creative writing how did that was that through the poems? Like? No, so basically I'd written this series of poems and when I came out, um, there was, um, I was really lucky actually, 
um, because when I came out, um, I landed, I got sent to, they have to organise, if you've got no accommodation, they have to organise you some kind of accommodation and they give you a discharge grant. Um, so basically, um, they landed me in Salford, which is where, you know, um, the, the musical's based and where these poems are based. But um, I landed in Salford and I didn't really, I knew a few people here and there, but that wasn't my life. So the thing is, it was all a fresh start for me. And I, I, I was in this project called Sash, which was um, like an halfway house full of drunks, drug addicts, uh, homeless people, really horrible, horrible place. You had no more than a prison cell as you as your room horrible one cupboard a single bed it was hanging um curfews and all that um but every week i had to go and report as part of my license to salford probation and so um part of my day my weekly routine was ending up going to salford probation and um my probation officer was just mint chris ashton she was absolutely you so yeah you said when i was reading about that like i just feel like mint. she did she take you under the wing and like more, more than that, yeah. More, more than that. More than that. She just went totally, totally above and beyond. She was honestly, you know, um, trouble with the criminal justice system. The reason why recidivism, which is when people come out and go back in and come in and repeat offend, the reason that happens is because prisoners, you know, they're locked in a system, they're, they're stuck in a system and they don't trust the system. And most prisoners go in a system, they go and end up in prison and then they'll come out and they'll end up in exactly the same circumstances that they went in Again, from. Yeah. So it's a perpetual cycle. It's just like going in circles. Like, yeah, yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Back to the same thing again. And, I they, was and they're not getting the support after they come out of prison to get them on, like, you had that person to really help you get on the right path in life. They, so pre yeah. pretty much if you've got a longer sentence, you have to report to probation when you come out with your license. So the thing is, most people will get some level of probational um, probation service uh uh, supervision you know but when I went every week that was like a, a breath for me because this uh, probation officer I just look I just honestly she she, she like so what have you been up to in prison the first meeting what have you been up to in prison um I just like just got on with it buckled down and that I mean that was that was a bit of a, a fib but you know because yeah. prison's prison do you know what I mean you, you have to survive in there and you have to do things to survive do you know what I mean mine was um uh selling phone cards and you know and all that kind of stuff you do what you do to get by. Do you need money to get back hey. in prison? No, but you know what? I didn't have people sending me in what's called canteen. So I didn't have people sending me in like uh, canteen money to buy tobacco, to buy um, chocolate, to buy things. Because you have like a canteen, pretty much like a tuck shop. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? And I didn't have any money coming in. So I had to rely on my basic um, allowance, what you get in prison, which was back then about two quid or something. Well, you're not getting tobacco and cigs with two quid. Yeah. So basically I had to have a little business running in there. Do you what, know what I mean? What, what was that business? I'm not only asking because I'm actually reading <laughs> a book at the minute called Marching Powder yeah. it's about a guy called Thomas Mafadden yeah. and he got caught dealing cocaine in mm. Bolivia mm. and he got sent to prison in La Paz and basically the but first prison tough. he went to like yeah like he was like I honestly thought I was going to die like they'd give me one little bit of bread some days not every day and after the 13 day he kicked off he's like I'm going to die in this prison like take me to another prison anyway because he was waiting for the court order and mm. the court order kept going on. Anyway, so he got sent to prison in La Paz and they said, you need to buy your own cell. It was like $2,000 to buy a cell. He's like, I don't have $2,000. Like the police took all my money. I'm, I don't have anything. Anyway, so he got to his prison and an uh, American guy kind of took him under his wing a little bit 
and kind of tighten the ways. You need money in this prison in Bolivia mm. for food, for the pharmacy. It's like a little village, mm. but it's a prison. Mm. But if you don't have money, you're not going to survive. Right? But that's the same in the British justice system. You know, people have got their little businesses and their little crime empires on the outside. Well, the same's happening inside. You have to survive. You know what I mean? There's, there's no other way to say it. You know, prison's not easy, but it's not, it's not hard. But you do have to survive. You're mm. still confined within a system, you know, and the, 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 the trouble just carries on in there. You know, you mm. still want to have your phone. You still want to have access. You still want food. You know, you still want comfort. You don't want to be get, dealt the, the shitty um, uh, you know uh, boxer shorts you want clean clean clothes mm. so to have all that you've got to have the right contacts and make friends with the right people you know and that's about currency do you know what I mean whatever your currency in prison is you know you've got to it's have a currency so interesting because I, I also read a book about uh, it was a professional golfer and he got caught for drunk driving he killed someone and he went mm. to prison and his currency was teaching the prisoners how to play golf there you go. But got in with the right people and yeah. they looked after him. But yeah. if you don't have that currency yeah. or you don't know what that currency is, yeah. then you you shit shoot really. Aren't you? <laughs> like, well, I you know, I, I just know. I just used my 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 savviness from my childhood experience. Yeah. And um, you know, the first thing, you know, I just I mean there is all that about when you go in and it's a scene in my play. You know, the contrived idea of, oh, you know, bending over for the soap and all that. You know, of course, you know, you're in a, an, an environment where there's, you know, full of men, you know, some have been locked up for a long time. Mm. And of course, you know, that goes on. It doesn't, it's not as prominent as like the media and all that, it's, you know what I mean? But of course it happens, it happens in any sort of penal system, do you know what I mean? Mm. But, you know, short of, of, of that, do you know what I mean? Actually, in the play, the reason why that's there is because it is very real. But yeah, having a currency, you know, and my currency was, um, you know, using my childhood experiences to be able to think on my feet and go, actually, um, how am I going to survive this this uh, being where I don't know anyone? And it was phone cards. Do you know what I mean? Phone cards at the time was a currency. You can't do phone cards now because it's all about pin pin codes when you're oh, inside right, yeah, yeah. but when I was inside it was phone cards you know four pound three pound two pound uh, phone cards and everyone wants to use the phone so for me I was like taking getting phone cards and then I was lending and I was getting two back for my one and then that was able to get me in my canteen so I was able to get um, you know food and groceries yeah. and stuff like that do you know what I mean it's interesting um, yeah, yeah no it is yeah. it's all a currency do you know what I mean yeah. you've got to have a currency to live life you've got to have some kind of currency yeah. and everyone does it to survive I was inside then, or out I was then life after prison mm -hmm. how was that obviously experience obviously I heard that you did obviously like youth work how did you like fall into that and obviously found like, me it found you yeah. found me yeah I just I, I, to be honest when I come out of prison I was an oper do you know what I mean I didn't have any hope because you know 20 30, well no uh, yeah 20 odd years ago if you if you're a con you you don't have the you know equalities act and the rehabilitation of you know if you're an ex-con you, you're tainted do you know what I mean yeah. and I, and back then I was like well what, what am I going to do in my life do you know what I mean I was in this hostel and it's got nothing but actually because of this probation officer coming back to Chris Ashton for self probation and I'll always name check her because she's worthy of it um, she she took under these poems that I've been to her, by the way. Put in. No, but yeah. if she's out there Get still, out yeah, show, yeah, I would. I would I, yeah. Out, yeah. 
she came she actually got in, I did get in yeah. touch with her for the last time we ran this back in 2009 um, and she came to see it so if you're there Chris you know when you, when you hear about us please get in touch with us yeah. Um, but yeah um, so basically she took me under her and she, she loved these poems and she developed it and she went you're good at it let's develop it and she got me on some courses and then um, because I was engaging with probation um, uh, they got me out of this hostel so she found me accommodation and because she found me accommodation that was it that was the life changer and I ended up in this flat I didn't have a pot to piss in but I had I had a safe space yeah, and I was yeah. just lying on the floor every night just like going oh, like you know like yeah. li literal just wow you know I've got it but yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just like there, like, wow. And then from that, basically, there was an estate. I was on an estate in the middle of Salford, really rough estate, you know what I mean? But I, I you know, I'd lived worse than that. Got the freedom now. Got yeah, the freedom. Yeah, yeah. So there was a little community centre off, opposite me estate. And, um, you know, there was this, uh, and I used to go in every day, like, for my breakfast. And there was a group of lads and they were just causing trouble. Do you know what I mean? And they were like, and I was like, I'll just stop one day. I said, what, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? What, what, what are you vandalising the place? You know, why don't you just come in, get a coffee, get a Coke, whatever, and just, you know, and basically got chatting and I was like, who are you? Who are you? And I, who are you? Who are you? Don't know why. I'm not doing all that that stuff and we ended up rap battling because I pulled out my poems do you know what I mean because they were like well here we are so I just come out of prison mate and you know I'm a poet or whatever and I poet and started yeah. rap battling on and they were like they, they latched onto it so I took them in the centre yeah. and they started using the centre for and the, the you know the vandalism stopped and the guy who ran the centre just sort of went well let's get you in you know you're good at that I was like, all right, okay, you know what I mean? So give me a volunteering yeah. job. I ended up doing some like rapping workshops with some local kids. Yeah. And people then just, it just grew, grew, grew. And then this fella took me under his wing and Chris was, I was still under her wing. And then she kind of let me go and then she just saw that I was developing. And, um, but she just went above and beyond. If, I, if she hadn't had took me under her wing and got me that flat, um, I probably, to be honest, would have found crime again to survive, but I found a different purpose. I loved it, and it just, it, it was natural. It's, I just, it's so important you know I mean? when you've got that purpose. Mm. It can change your life, can't it? You know, And I mean? many like, others yeah. as well, do you know what I mean? Like, kids for me now yeah. are, are just, they're my whole livelihood, do you know what I mean? And yeah. <laughs> many kids, do you know what I mean? Because in every kid that I meet, I just see myself as a as a younger kid, like yeah. abused, neglected, traumatized. Do you know what I mean? Lost souls, and all they need is just a little bit of a boost and a little bit of a chat. Mo mainly intellectual chat. Do you know what I mean? Like real, yeah. just proper chat. Because yeah. most of these kids, the front maybe. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they they do, but they're very intelligent. Yeah. Kids are very intelligent, you know, and, and especially kids who've been through traumatic experiences are very, very intelligent. And sometimes they're just not challenged enough in their lives. The education system doesn't challenge enough. Sometimes they're going through trauma, so they need a way to express that and work through that without it being like sat there. Yes, you know, you're my therapist, and I'm going to tell because mm. that's not going to work with with children. Do you think there's a bit of like a an age gap where it's harder than to to put the kid on the right path in life? Yeah, past thirteen, that's it. 
you've pretty much got no chance at all. Right. Yeah, and I'm dead, dead brutal about this, you know, because there's something called puberty, which again, just seems to be a really dirty word. Do you know what I mean? But let's talk about it because actually, you know, when we all as human beings, male, female, or whatever, you know, you choose to, to identify as, we all go through puberty. And once we've gone through puberty, that's it. You know, your yeah. your mind is is pretty much made. That's the last transition you're going through life, apart from the menopause, you know, when you hit like 60, 70. So it's the last <laughs> physiological and mental transition that you'll go through. Yeah. So past 13, I was, that's why they couldn't reach me. Because past 13, I was gone. I was a made man. I was like, you know, I'm, I do what I do and you ain't telling me nothing. It's so hard then after that. To, gone. Yeah. You've lost them. You've lost them to the system, and that is it. The only, the last final chance you've got to get through to a kid, in my opinion. You, you can still, it's about unpicking. You can still get kids of 14, 15, and even, you know, older ones that you can unpick, but it's a much, 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 much more difficult job to do. Yeah. And it's more time consuming. Like with myself, I didn't, when I was 22, 23, do you know what I mean? I went exploring that, but it took years. Whereas if I'd have actually had that exploration work done before I ended up going through that change and being that made man, maybe things would have ended up differently for me, you know. I really wanted to talk about the first time where you sneaked on that coach. Yeah. And you went to the podium. <laughs> At our mutual school. Yeah, <laughs> mutual, was it Castlebrook yeah, yeah, as well? Yeah, it was like, at no yeah. So basically but what- What I, was your, I just wanted to get to your head, like yeah. what was that moment where you walked into Palladium and you saw the show? Wow, yeah, I mean, yeah. God, you know, geez, yeah, magical, freedom. I mean, for a 13 year old boy, right, who's all is going on in his head is bad stuff, yeah, rage, to be able to have that experience blagging my way on a coach, knowing I'm getting excluded because I've brought some of my gang members up to the school mm. um, and they've done some kids in um, for bullying. And it's like, get to the theatre, walk in the theatre, and it's like, wow, you know, just wow. Yeah. You know, the the atmosphere, the tension, the seating, the, the velvet, the gold, the the sitting down, the orchestra playing, you know, the lights going down, the curtains opening, and then all of a sudden these people just like dancing and singing on a stage, and I'm like, wow, it's just the sheep going around. I mean, obviously now, you know, yeah. like as an adult, it's ridiculous. It's a plastic sheep, do you know what I mean? Yeah, on, a, yeah. on, a, on, a, on, a, on a turntable. But as a kid, yeah, like who's got so yeah. much other stuff going on, this was pure escape. Yeah. This was magical. Do you, do you feel, I want to ask like, if you never sneaked on that coach that day, yeah. and you never got that experience of going to like the London Palladium and yeah. seeing the theatre, do you think your life might have been a bit different in, in regards to obviously now you've got the musical in it. Do you feel if you never, that one moment in your life, do you think you would have still got into musicals or theatre? No, no, I really honestly don't. I really honestly actually don't. I mean, I'd had an experience um, and it's based on 
real life. Every character in, in it is based on real life. It covers a lot of issues and every single one of them is real and based on my story. But theatre, you know, um, had I not have experienced Joseph in the amazing technical dream cult, no, I wouldn't, because my experience of, 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 of uh, music was when I was a kid. Um, musicians were dodgy people to me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They, they were the, the, um, uh, the predators. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, music, that's why I hated music. That's why I burnt music room, burnt art rooms down in school and I, I, I bashed instruments because they were m- my predators. So at the end of the day, for me, it was always a dark thing. But yeah. experiencing Joseph in the amazing Technicolor yeah. Dreamcoat was like... You know, because it wasn't around me, so to speak. It was separate. Yeah. It was magical. Honestly, yeah, Dan, yeah. it was just magical. And for me... And to this day, you still to remember this day, that, I, I that, still, the feelings yeah. and the emotions when you watch that's, yeah. that's my driving force for doing what I do because I mm-hmm. want to give every kid in the world that experience of, yeah. of theatre because I don't, I just honestly, the way there is effect, yeah. nothing like it. I've, I, like I say before, I was a main man by the time I was 13. So there was too much going on for me to, for that to kind of, and, and Joseph isn't really, it's silly. It's, it's a parable. It's biblical. It's silly. It's, mm. it's comedic. You know, if I'd have got to see in it when I was 13, that would have truly, truly changed my path. Yeah. Because what would have, been in front of me was something that was reflecting my life and the difference between Joseph in Amazing Technical Dreamcoat and what I've written in, in it is in it's a very real very relatable Salford family in it Salford Dis- family, family down yeah. to the dysfunctional it's got every single emotion in it and the thing is it reflects the lives that people actually lead whereas Joseph is 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 way out there but still you know it's the, it's not the, it's the magic of theatre yeah. you know most kids right that, that I encounter in Salford Salford's a big city yeah. um, and most of the kids that I meet in Salford I've never been to Salford for keys you know they've never been to media city and um so nice i've not been in years it's it's mega and since we've started talking about this um you know we've we've managed to get our hub over at media city media city's got behind us because they genuinely have seen the work that we're doing as a charity and they've supported us and they've given us a base at media city so now our kids that we've worked with over the years are all starting coming to media city and it's magical honestly because it opens up their eyes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's right on the doorstep. Yeah. It's right on the doorstep. But there's this thing about oh, territory, you know, and they're told adults, adults are the worst people in the world sometimes. Yeah. You know, they perpetuate nonsense that children come out with mm. and they listen to the nonsense. Instead of reading between the lines and seeing the truth, they listen to the nonsense and then they take the nonsense on and then that nonsense gets perpetuated. Mm. You know, you don't see... You know, unless you're up to no good, do you know what I mean? You can you can pretty much, yeah. you know, go anywhere you want and be free and be happy. You know, you just got to be able to step out of your own thing. Unless you're up to no good, you'll yeah. be fine. You know, if you're up to no good, then obviously you're going to yeah, you find get yourself, yourself bothered. What's surreal for you now with, obviously you've created this musical like in it. Um, obviously you did, the first one was obviously a few years ago. Now bigger production, more people, obviously the Lowry. I mean, it must, it must feel surreal, innit? Like, cause obviously it's part of your life, like your soul is in this play and to see it's come to life and that the fact that now it's gonna like help kids. Um, 
So this is this is what I'm, I'm it, yeah. telling my company of actors every day in rehearsals, you know, is yes, this is a big show, it's a great show, it's full of wonderful songs, it's full of all it's a roller coaster ride of your life. You'll be in floods of tears, you'll be laughing, like belly laughing at moments because we've taken a bunch of scallies and, you know, put them on stage, you know, telling their stories, you know, uh, in a murky world. But you know, ultimately, um, for me, and it has always been about reaching young people and getting young people into theatre. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, did, I didn't set out to do this to, um, you know, make my millions of pounds. I'm not, I'm not interested in money. I'm not mo motivated by that. What I'm motivated by is when thousands of children between the ages of 12 and 15, but 12 and 13 specifically, and, you know, some are 14, are coming through those doors, yeah, and experiencing theatre for the first time, yeah. and not just some weird and wacky, you know, Yeah, airy-fairy. It's got that, because you know what, I'm musical and I can do musical theatre and, you know, but it's got elements of that, but actually it's it's real, they're coming through the doors and they're seeing reality but in a in a really positive light, it's mir life mirroring art and vice versa. And for me, if one life, even just one, there's thousands of children coming because we've paid for them to come. Um, but if just one of those children has their path changed and doesn't have to experience the pain and anguish and fear and anxiety and trauma that I had to go through because of the results of, you know, negative influences in my childhood, then in it has done its job. Absolutely, 100%, just one. But do you know what? Oh, it tastes is one. Just, just yeah, one, yeah. just one, mate, it's, honestly. It's mad sometimes, because sometimes, like, I'll be honest, I can get caught up in like the metrics and numbers of likes, shares, how many people listen to the podcast. Mm. But when you just get that one message, on Friday I got two like beautiful messages. One was like, yeah. I've been watched, Every episode of the podcast, absolutely love it. And, um, and then another one was a, from a guy and he was saying like, look, I'm 22, like, you've changed my perspective on my food allergy. Like, you can mm. go abroad and go out with your friends and live a normal you've life. You've inspired, you've actually yeah. inspired somebody there. You've actually given somebody the power to be able to go, do you know what? I can beat this and I can still enjoy my life. Mm. I mean, we were talking before about a nut allergy, you know, it must be just having to carry adrenaline and having to, you know, Absolutely. go into anaphylaxis. I mean, it's, it must be absolutely, that's traumatic in itself, yeah. you know, having a condition like that. And that must be something that really, you know, holds people's lives up in so many ways. And that's the kind of thing we take for granted because if you haven't got a nut allergy, then you wouldn't be thinking about people with a nut allergy, yeah. do you know what I mean? But what you've done now is you've empowered that person to to go actually no I'm not going to stop my life just because I've I've got this thing I'm I'm going to still live my life to the best that I can yeah. and that that is is what it's about that's what I, that's what this that's is just, about yeah and sometimes you just got to bring yourself back to like why that why like why did I start it and the mission from day one was to help young people with allergies now obviously it's trying to break the stigma but I mean it's still there from day one so now it, it, it it's so fulfilling isn't it like, like you said and we was talking about money before like have all the money in the world, but you know, like, without purpose. And like I said, if you, you kind of spoke about, look, if you've got food, a roof above your head, you know what I mean? Somewhere mm -hmm. to sleep and, you, and you're safe. And safe space. That's yeah. what you've just said the word there, safety. You know, most people in this, most children aren't safe. That's the thing. They don't have a, a place where they can 
go and feel safe there. That should be for me, that should be the school, you know, that should be the youth service, which have just been stripped back, you know. Mm. But for me, fundamentally, it should be school. You know, schools should be a safe place. And for me, having gone into lots and lots of schools, there's children who really aren't safe and don't feel that school's safe for them. And this is why so many children aren't going into school or why there's so much homeschooling. Um, but, you know, it is about it is about safety and having that safe space. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of children don't have that safe space. Hence us getting the creative hub to create that safe space. Hence mm. us building this charity, you know, to try and give children safe space so that they can come and just be free and be creative um, because it's it, it's it should be a right it should be a right yeah. that children are just able to freely express themselves and be, them so, yeah. and be themselves and not have these um, in, you know these internalised things that they just go deeper and deeper inside inside and close and close and close and then just explode yeah, you yeah. know so one child if just one child is affected by in it then <laughs> Well, we've done our job. Yeah. Seriously, we've done our job because it's, you know. So musicals can be running for two weeks once. Yeah. Once that's, I mean, what's the next thing after musical? Would it, would it be to do more cities or to kind of? Do you know what it'd be lovely to yeah. do? I mean, the thing is, it's very difficult in this climate because, um, you know, I mean, we're a charity. I set up the charity in 2019, I4IPC, in it for young people. Yeah. I did that because I wanted to bring in it back and I wanted it to reach as many young people as possible. Um, so my, my plan for in it is to build some kind of philanthropic model. So what we've done is basically for this one is every single ticket that is bought um, and paid for by a member of the public is buying a seat for a child to come and see that show for free in a matinee performance, yeah. basically. You know, we're a charity, we're non-profit, we're volunteer, even I'm a volunteer, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I just don't take any money. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's um, it's philanthropic. I wanna see every child be able to get yeah. to the theatre for free, with free transport as well, because, you know, that every kid should experience that magic. Yeah. You know, every, every kid should experience that thing of coming to Salford Keys you know, which is on the doorstep and, and, and seeing the water and seeing the buildings and yeah, seeing the yeah. development and walking through and coming in and being welcomed and treated as a human being, you know, and being treated as an equal and yeah. being treated as any other person that would be treated going to the theatre. Yeah. You know, welcome. Oh, okay, coming through the doors. I remember what show, you know, when you said, what was yeah. the show? I'm sure it's a Nutcracker. The Nutcracker, yeah, when I'm you was sure a kid. It was a ballet when show, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah beautiful. Remember, yeah. A ballet. Yeah. Of all things to go and see, do you know, know what I mean? I know, I used to, I used to, it's so funny, I used to actually do um, ballet as a kid. And mm. the reason, reason, I, I used to be, I used to play football and I used to be shit at dribbling. Mm. And there's like, oh, like Rio Ferdinand does ballet. You'd be better at dribbling or better in your feet. And then mm. up doing dance and I was better at doing dance than I was at football. What's <laughs> that wrong with dance? So Billy yeah, Elliot, did, did, Billy did, Elliot, mate. Yeah, you know. and that was like, yeah, I did that for you up until I was like 15, 16. Like. Are you still dancing? No, not no. now, yeah. Just pretty gym and um, got into tennis recently. But um, but yeah, it's mad, isn't it? You know, when you, you, you find what it is. But yeah, I did, sorry, it just, it was no, just on my fault when you asked a, me today, a, like, yeah. why did you, like, what was it you went to the Lowry? Just like, click then. Like. 
it's another thing, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, that's another musical where it's a real story yeah. because, you know, there's kids all over who want to dance, do you know what I mean? It's about real stories, yeah, real yeah. stories, real stories, real stories. People resonate with it. And Reson- like, yeah, yeah, they yeah, resonate yeah. with the stories. Yeah. You know, the other thing is we've got a, an amazing cast, we've got an amazing young company as well of, of young actors who, you know, are getting a break at the Lowry Theatre, do you know yeah, what I mean? It's massive. Um, it, it's huge and we've got some amazingly talented musicians in, in, in the cast as well um, who are just creating beautiful harmonies and, you know, whilst you think of, uh, you know, Salford as a, a dark place or as a as a you know as a murky world there there is always hope there's always hope in every situation there's always hope you know and if if you're a a young person you know listening to to this podcast do you know what I mean and you're in a dark place and you know you're feeling pain you know just please I implore you do you know what I mean to to Go and find a safe adult wherever you find that. You know whether it's a doc, whether you go and walk into a health centre and just go up to receptionist and whoever. You know wherever you go, whether you ring Childline, whether you ring whoever, please. You know just go and explore it because it's perfectly okay. And you know you're never gonna if you don't do it at your age as a young person then you are going to live a wasted life and life's too precious to be wasted Um, and you know the other thing is is no it's not your fault that's what I always say to children I work with no it's not your fault you know but there is there is hope for you to get through it and uh, and create the life that you want for yourself if only you know when I was that age when I was that young that I'd have had that bit of bit of wisdom do you know what I mean to to go and and do it and that's what this is about we spoke about like influence there just off camera and stuff and um, it's probably harder now because there's so much influence out there with everyone wanting to be influencers I mean you've got TikTok now and I think I think it's harder now because there's so much influence and it isn't always the best influence as well like um, out there in some ways sometimes I think um, you know social media is really really it can be really amazing, it can be really aspirational, it can be really positive. Um, but, you know, as with anything, you know, there's the other side of the coin, there's the flip side. You know, I was saying to you earlier, you know, you get um, a, a video and uh, it's somebody who, you know, goes hunting or something like that. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, all of a sudden there's a trend where everyone wants to go hunting on, and, or, you know, catch fish or, or you know, do um, sushi chefing or something. Yeah. But the reality is, is what's in your art? You know, what, what do you actually want to do? What do you think you might, you know, because being young, the joy of being young is, is is exploring. You know, it's not having fixed ideas. It's like failing as well. I think yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. the amount of times I've like failed and thought, oh, maybe I'm not good at that. I should try this. And like, that's well, where you learn what, what, what you're good at as well. Yeah. yeah. And this is what we talk a lot about in, in when we're working with kids in schools and teachers and stuff is, you know, don't mollycoddle children, yeah, when they fail. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because actually failure is sometimes a positive thing yeah. you know that's how you that's how you build resilience there's a lot of talk and, and a lot of you know buzzwords you know oh building resilience don't talk about it allow it to happen do you yeah. know what I mean because only by experiencing things you know only by having a fall yeah will you be more careful <laughs> next time yeah. yeah to make sure that you don't you yeah. know that you're looking where you're stepping it's like if you touch something <laughs> hot that you know they're not going to do it again like, it's yeah. common sense yeah. isn't it yeah. it's like just age old common sense sometimes 
Yeah, no, um, social media is, you know, it can be good for some things, but, you know, influencers, you know, like, uh, oh, I want to look this way and I want to look that way. Filters, man, filters. So, I've got friends, yeah. right, who uh, I look at their Instagram and I'm saying, I'm saying that's not you. Yeah. <laughs> and they're <laughs> like, they fell out with me. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, that's not you. Why, why are you putting pictures and sending me pictures? Because it's not you. There's a girl I used to work with and um, <laughs> she was like an influencer. I think she was like using like three different apps for like, like Facetune and then like, it's just like, you're not that person. So yeah. like, it's crazy because I think like, people want to be perceived to look a certain way or have this lifestyle and like, a lot of time that isn't their lifestyle like, it's just that that's what they want people to think of them and like it's hard now I think for, oh, for kids like yeah it is it is yeah. worked in another school recently and there was a kid and she just came in every day plastered in makeup and it was like she looked ridiculous she looked like some you know just and I just told her do you know <laughs> what I mean you look ridiculous lovey do you know what I mean you actually look ridiculous yeah. you know and, and for whatever was in her head that you know she had to be wearing all this plastic makeup and they couldn't get her to take her makeup off I was like get to that bathroom you've got 30 <laughs> seconds yeah to get that makeup off because you know what you just look ridiculous and you know what sometimes people are just a little bit too afraid in this mm. in this day and age um, to say things like that but if you don't say it then how are they yeah, ever going to know I think so, so many people now with you know like like cancel culture as well like definitely mm. like if you're in the public eye if you say one wrong thing or it could be from like six years ago but someone will dig it up and be like well he said this like six years ago and I, and I understand that but I also think like people change in that time as well what someone said six years ago might not be the person who said it today kind of thing so yeah all I'll say yeah. is if you're easily offended do not come and see in it oh, right. seriously honestly yeah. you know you're gonna hear words that you're gonna think oh you know and you're gonna hear a bunch of scallies how they talk on the street corner that's how real it is you know mm. so scallies you know or road men or chavs or whatever you, yeah. wh however you refer to them wherever which part of the world you live in do you know what I mean yeah. hoods in, in, in New York wherever you're listening from because you get listeners internationally do you know what I mean watchers internationally yeah. are you wherever, only took seven months to, to find the, the right cast or the right people seven months yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. many kids do you see then? Thousands or? Uh, we saw lot, about, yeah. I think about six or seven hundred people we saw what, for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we wanted to find the right people. Mm. Um, you know, because the thing is, when we did it last time, we had a representation that may have not been kind of quite the accurate rep representation that I wanted. And I think, you know, we are looking at a murky world. We are looking at a real world. We are looking at a group of scallies and a couple of young people who fall in love, you know, and against all the odds. Um, there is hope that these young people find, you know, and each of them has a redeeming feature. Each of them have redeeming qualities. Each of them are human beings. Mm -hmm. Each character in the musical are human beings. And in it is, is, a, is about humanity. It's about all of yeah. humanity. It's about- I love that as well, like that, you could say the actors, but they're not. Like, they're, 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 real, they're playing them like real life experiences, <laughs> isn't it? Like you say like, well, you've only got yeah. one thing to pull as an actor, really, yeah. I think. I mean, I've done acting myself. Corey, I saw. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Killing feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never want to be famous, you know, because uh, you just do one thing. Like, I did uh, Corey and they film it six months or something in advance. And so I don't watch myself back on TV. So the thing is, I'd, I'd, I wasn't looking out for it. I was in Alde one day and there's this guy like, 
behind me and he's following me around all day and I'm like it's a bit creepy what's going on yeah 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 and um, I turned around and I went you are, are you alright mate and he's there like yeah yeah and I was like are you okay I was like thinking what's going on do you know yeah, yeah. and then it twigged that you know I was thinking <laughs> oh right the episode must have because I was quite featured yeah. so people it's in people's doorsteps it's in people's top homes top of mind isn't it yeah. yeah it's in It's whereas for me I did that like months ago I've met, you know what I mean I moved on from it yeah. but for people who watch Coronation Street as an avid fan you know and yeah. you get letters and you get people sending you stuff it's like it's weird yeah, I, I've yeah. given up acting I'm not interested honestly it's weird yeah. it's so weird I would not want to be a soap star because I know a few and the stories that come out of of, of that world and what they get sent and what they they have to filter through is just bonkers but yeah you know we've got looking over your shoulder like every second weren't you and stuff like i got no this is mad this is a funny story i was in a like a shared work environment it's called we work yeah yeah, 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 i was in one in london and um someone was like staring over and I was like recognised you yeah and I went, I went and then she come over and she's like oh like, are you down for me I was like yeah I was like I couldn't believe it like I mean it was a nice feeling yeah validating, validating but yeah. imagine like yeah if you get that if, if you are in, in the public eye which I'm not like you you'd be constantly looking over your shoulder or you know what I mean yeah. it wouldn't be nice if people feel like they know you and like you don't know them it's, it's a weird, it must be weird like. I'm glad to say that it's our lead guy Will Bores on the posters and not my mug because yeah. you know he works locally and he, he you know he's uh, he, he studied here and stuff so the thing is he's starting getting uh, recognised and stuff but for him that's important he's a young guy yeah. he's, he's at the start of his career he's releasing a single soon he's got his whole world out of him so many of our cast are really is he a rap, rapper, musician? No, like, no yeah. proper, proper musician. Yeah. Like, he's proper musical. A lot of the young guys that we've got in the cast, they're all very, very musical. So some of them have got their own bands. Um, Jack Carroll, he's got his own um, uh, music going on. He's a producer. He's actually produced one of the tracks that we're going to use in the show oh, wow. as a prelude. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to give any more than that away than saying there's a prelude at the very beginning and Jack has produced that for us as part of this process. And he's, he's amazing, you know, we've got um, uh, all sorts of cast from all over, um, you know, the North and all over over the place. And do you know what, they're all incredible, every single one of them, they, they yeah. have just, um, brought that we've got a, an actor called Barry who's playing a part of Smithy. Smithy is uh, a guy who, who's suicidal, he's a lifer in prison and you know he sings a song called Never Wanted to Return and I was talking to you about before about Never Wanted to Return and at the end of the day he just brings like this yeah. magic 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 to it. Energy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he brings it alive and um, that's, you know, that's really vital. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, you just, I'm, I'm actually for the first time in so many years, I sat there, we did a concert um, the other week and I sat there and I, I, I actually was welling up, welling up and I actually burst out in tears and I had to like physically be, be comforted because it was it was so, so moving, moving yeah. to me because I knew that character, you know, and I'm, I'm reliving all of those stories through these characters so deep so emotional honestly and yet the next minute the scallies come on yeah all <laughs> characters that I've known in, in my yeah. life and they're all giving it like yeah I'm fine. you know and, yeah. and, on, and I'm not going to give any of it away because I'd, I'd love you to come yeah, like, yeah. come and see it I'd love everyone to come and see it um, but they're hilarious yeah. you know and raucous and at the end of the day you need that you need the comedy as well as the, yeah. the, the darkness and the light so yeah it's, it's no, just come amazing. and see it we've yeah, got an amazing yeah. cast amazing songs you know whatever you're into whether 
it's uh, rap or whether it's hip hop or whether it's ballads or whether it's musical theatre or whether it's ska whether it's rock and roll there's there's a really eclectic array of, yeah. of, of numbers in there for everyone you've got everything there yeah, yeah honestly good. yeah honestly it's been incredible to have you on the podcast Mickey and thank you so appreciate much it. if anyone wants to kind of go to the show in it would you like to share the details on the pod yeah thank you very much cheers Dan it's um, at the Lowry Theatre in Salford uh, from the 13th to 23rd of September you can uh, book on the Lowry's website or you can uh, book through um, in it which is online, um, and just follow us on socials have a look what we're up to you can see some rehearsal footage and you can meet the cast and all this kind of stuff and we're just at i4ypc or at in it musical yeah and yeah. I'll make sure to share this podcast I'll probably edit it this might be out not next Monday the, yeah. not this Monday coming the following Monday so I'll, I'll try and get it out just before the the start of the, the, the show in it so you can like snip it up and yeah, get the word out there but honestly I appreciate you coming down no, right. thank you for having yeah, me honestly yeah, no, Dan. it's been a pleasure it. honestly, it's, been, good it's chatting. been so interesting to yeah, have you so yeah you've had anyone. more than what most people have had to be honest yeah. out of me you know what I mean you must have a way about you for <laughs> yeah. like dig, digging, pull, digging pull, deep digging deep <laughs> pull, all, pull the emotions out it's but yeah done. honestly if anyone wants to check out in it um, I'll make sure to leave a link in the podcast description and yeah, if you can support Mickey and the charity and in it, really appreciate it. Anyway, thanks again, Mickey. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, Cheers, Dan. Thank you.